Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning! Morning, D.A. How are you? Ever heard a sports talk show like this before? Didn't think so. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. DA, how you feeling, brother? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy. Tuesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. That's all that really matters. Sounds <laughs> of Saturday continues in 20 minutes. Tony Castricone, who is the voice of the Washington Huskies, is going to join us. Washington, preseason number 10 of the AP poll that just came out yesterday. One of the best teams in the Pac-12 before they depart. We'll talk to their voice, Tony Castricone, coming up here on the show in 20 minutes from now. I'll get to the top 25 coming up here shortly, but first, the Michael Orr story. So, Michael Orr, portrayed to the blind side, has this family really close with. They adopt him, bringing him in. He ends up being pulled out of a terrible situation, homelessness, drug around him, drugs around him as he was growing up, to go on to football stardom. And yesterday, the news dropped that Michael Orr is accusing the family, the Tuies, of lying about the adoption. And he petitioned a Tennessee court yesterday that the family concocted a lie that they, quote, adopted him to enrich themselves at his expense. He says he has never made a dime off of the movie while they all got a good payout from it and that they kind of manipulated the paperwork, kind of tricked him into signing the paperwork to which he was not a part of the family, but instead they were conservators to where they could then strike deals to make money off of him, books, movies, etc. If he was actually adopted by the family, then he would have control over those finances. Instead, because they are conservators, he says he has not seen a dime of that. Obviously, there's two sides to every story. Interested to see, I'm sure, what they say. But I will say this. I had read his book, which was his second book, before we had him on on Tuesday. And in his second book, 
he expresses gratitude for the family. This is before this lawsuit or this petition was filed. Expresses gratitude for the family and that he, he was trying to clarify in the book that he thought the portrayal of him as this kind of timid, shy guy who didn't know much about anything, had to be kind of saved by the family, was not necessarily true. And he wanted to spread the message that you can you can empower yourself. And it was not out of resentment towards the family, didn't seem like anyway. He seemed to have gratitude for them and to any family that would take in foster children or homeless children, et cetera, but that he wanted to kind of set the record straight. I want to play for you a clip of this because, of course, I didn't know that this was coming on Monday. This was last week, and I had asked him, what part of the movie do you feel uncomfortable with and how they portrayed you? You just said you, you feel like you've been mislabeled sometimes, <clears throat> misunderstood. And I think, at least from what I've read, read in the book, a lot of that stems from how you were portrayed in the movie The Blind Side, and that people might have the wrong idea of your personality, number one, that you were this kind of shy wallflower, <laughs> that you were timid and you had to be kind of like drawn out of your shell when in reality, you were a workaholic, you were hyper-organized, and you were like, damn it, I'm making something <laughs> of myself no matter what it takes after a rough background. Is that is that the, the big one that you feel you were mislabeled as? I think it took away the hard work and the dedication that I created uh, from a child and going to school in the third grade, getting myself up, first one in the locker room, last one out. Uh, and I think the biggest for me is, you know, being portrayed, uh, not being able to read or write. Uh, second grade, I was doing plays and for in front of the school. And I, I think that's one of the, when you go into a locker room and your teammates don't think that, you can learn a playbook, you know, that weighs heavy uh, on someone, you, you know, and you have to understand. I understand that the movie has given me a position. I'm honored to have the position it's given me, but, you know, you have to understand yeah, before I moved in with the family, I was an All-American. That's what I want the generations behind me to see in this book right here to understand that you don't have to come have someone save you and rescue you to go out and be successful. You got every tool uh, in you. And this book right here is a playbook on life. You know, looking yourself in the mirror when I was 11, 12-year-old kid, telling myself, hey, everyone's around, everyone around you is even in an even worse situation that you're in. So you're going to have to get up and do this thing yourself. So that was from Tuesday's Jim Rome show when I was with Michael. And I, I posted a couple of clips on Twitter if you want to hear more of, of what he didn't like about the movie, because I knew that about him, but of course we didn't know that this petition was going to come down yesterday. But that's on my Twitter feed, at DA on CBS, if you want to watch. Also, the full interview with Michael is on YouTube as well. Just search The Jim Rome Show. My sense talking to Michael was he wasn't angry, but he did want to clarify that his hope with this book was to clarify and maybe kind of stand up for himself a little bit because, of course, it had given him a platform and had given him an ability to reach people that he really wanted to reach. He, he opens up the book talking about going to Brody Croyle's family's home, which is kind of like a camp for 
children that have been in and out of shelters. And Brody was a former Alabama quarterback and a former Kansas City Chief quarterback as well. And his his parents have had this, this home for a long time where children that are in and out of shelters come there. They, they kind of give them a chance to succeed, some academic help, some financial help to try to get them on the right track. And, and he opens up the book talking to these kids and kind of saying, like, I, I can see myself in all of them, and I just wanted them to see me like there is a way out when it seems so dark and hopeless. And that's my sense of what Michael Orr wanted to do with this book. I did not sense anger. I sense more of... I want to clarify, you know, who I am and what my position here, my 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 position here can lend itself to be. He did say, though, as we talked off air, because he was happy that I had actually read the book and we were kind of going back and forth about some of the stuff that I'd read. And he spent 45 minutes with us. So I had two different commercial breaks then after when he left to kind of talk to him off there. He alluded to something like, and wait till next week. And I didn't know what that meant. And this is obviously what it meant. So I don't know how the family would typify their arrangement. You know, th- these are complicated things because, you know, you may feel like you're giving somebody love and a roof over their head and that they come from a difficult background so that you need to have control over things. You don't want them to get sucked down by the wrong people or you feel like, you know, you're now a parent instead of just kind of a, a guardian or whatever. At the same token, if they manipulated him to make money off of something to which he couldn't benefit, you know, that's that's really wrong. It's really ethically very, very wrong. And it's seemingly what he is calling out. So I think, you know, my big takeaway was that it felt to me that Michael Orr was walking through two different worlds. One was great football success. He was an All-American, a first-round draft pick, made good money, won a Super Bowl, played in another, had a good career, was famous for a movie. He's written two books, you know, and there was a gratitude about that and an appreciation because he had come from a situation that had nearly zero success rate. Again, by the time he was three, he was basically shelter, foster home, or streets. Because his mom was on drugs, his whole family was on drugs or or um, without work. He was on the streets. Like, there was, there was almost no hope. And he found a way to scrap his way out, and he had to be disciplined to be able to do it. He, he didn't necessarily just need a parachute from somebody. He wanted to say, like, hey, I had to do some of this as well. So I think there's a gratitude of, I made it out of this. He's walking that world. But then also it felt to me that he's coming to terms with some of the stuff that maybe he had kind of washed away as, hey, I got out, so that's all that matters. And then maybe he was starting to kind of come to grips with some of the stuff that wasn't as hunky-dory as the movie portrays because I would imagine, I couldn't know this, but I would imagine if you come from a situation where it is really rough, I asked him off the air, I said, so when you don't know where your meal is going to come from and your adults in your life are on drugs, so they're erratic, and you don't know where what couch you sleep on, I said, is there fear? Is there, because I would imagine as a kid, security is the only thing that really can calm you, that insecurity is the ultimate fear. 
He says, it's not really a fear because you've just grown up with it, that it just is what it is. He's like, it's not really a fear. And it felt to me that you see yourself in the bright lights in a movie and everyone's slapping you on the back. Oh my goodness, you made it out. This is great. You're a great offensive lineman. You're a great football player. And you kind of don't want to dump cold water on this wonderful story because you want to be grateful and you can't believe you made it out. And you're like, it was really dark and really ugly to get out. And so now look, life is good. And I think people will ask, well, what took so long? It struck me. And again, I only had about an hour with them, 45 minutes to an hour to speak to him on air, off air, having read the book, et cetera, that maybe he was starting to come to grips with some of the stuff was not as great as at the time, maybe everybody assumed that it was. I can't know the truth. You can't know the truth. We'll see how this unfolds. But that was just my my reaction to spending some time with him. And I came away just thinking, this guy's a special guy. I'm not saying that he's a perfect guy. I'm just saying this is a special human being that could go through that and have found little things in his youth to hook on to, to keep climbing. I mean, he said, I said, do you ever go back to Memphis to, you know, to go to the projects where you grew up? He's like, mm. he goes that the people that are there are doing the same thing they were, that they were doing when I was there. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not, I don't know if he used the word uplifting, but it's hard. And I, I think we all know this feeling. Like if you go back to your hometown and the same guys are doing the same things that that you were doing 20 years ago or they were doing 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, it's depressing. And you feel like, I, I got to move forward. And I think he had to do that to such an extreme level. Move forward, move forward, don't look back because back was so treacherous that it takes time. And I think it might take therapy and it might take years to really look back and, and concede of something. So... I would just warn against thinking like, oh, is this just a money grab from him or is he not grateful or was it a money grab from the family and why didn't he know this? Why didn't he say anything? I think there's a lot of stuff that's really tough to grapple with and you might never because how do you reconcile with a life where you're three years old and you have to fend for yourself because your mom is on crack and you don't know if there's food in the fridge and we, he was kind of joking about it, but he's like, yeah, I had to steal food. I had to go to the grocery store and decide what I was going to steal today to make sure that I ate. And I said, you know, was that a hard decision? He goes, no, because I wasn't going to starve. <laughs> he said, no, you're not going to catch me starving. So I had to steal. It was There was not a decision there. That's the type of story, that's the type of backstory that that Michael Orr comes from. A note on this, the top 25 that was released yesterday. A couple of things. The Pac-12 is getting disbanded, picked apart by the buzzards. They have five teams in the top 20. USC at 6, Washington 10, Utah 14, Oregon 15, Oregon State 16. Imagine having a football conference that can't get a television deal, and they have five teams in the top 20. Number two how different the world is where Michigan and Ohio State are two of the best teams of the country and Michigan is the one on top because of the last two years of domination head-to-head. 
We lived in a world not long ago where you would never bet on Michigan to be better if they were both elite. And now that's what the pollsters are saying. Michigan's better by a nose because we know head-to-head they're better. What a difference in the college football landscape. LSU is a top five team. They put LSU at number five. This is Brian Kelly's second season. Remember how awful it seemed this time last year and then early in the year? For them to be a top five team preseason shows that while Brian Kelly might be hard to trust, hard to believe, Brian Kelly is a good football coach and always has been, and he's doing it again. We'll see if they they, they, they live up to it. Texas at number 11, a lot of hype on Texas this year. Final year in the Big 12. I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Sarkeesian has never won his league, ever. He gets a lot of a lot of applause from a lot of media members that love Sark. Not me. I think the guy's got to prove a lot before I put him as the number 11 coach or number 11 coach of a team in the country. And finally, how about in the ACC, Florida State and Clemson? FSU at 8, Clemson at 9. Clearly a down year. Last two years with DJ at, at quarterback for, for Clemson. And maybe they've turn the corner. They've got a good young QB now. They've had a stout defense the last couple of years. I don't know in what world you start putting Florida State ahead of Clemson in anything. Wake me up when Florida State wins something. Then we can start talking, but Clemson has dominated the ACC for a decade, and since Jameis left, what's FSU been? I I can't do that. As underwhelming as the last two years in some regards have been for the Tigers, I ain't putting the Seminoles ahead of the Tigers in any rankings at this point in time. Not until I see some real separation between the two. When we come back, we'll talk a little Washington Huskies football. Preseason number 10 with their voice, Tony Castroconan. What leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten feels like in Seattle. It's coming up next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. Get a tip off. And Lewis got it on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown over. Touchdown over. 
Devin Culp motions left to right. Now Jalen McMillan does as well. Trip set toward the field. Left hash mark, nine-yard line. Fourth and goal. Snap to Michael Penix. He's back to pass. Fires into the end zone. Todd Romadunze. A fastball, and Adunze had both hands on it for six. His second touchdown catch tonight. Our next guest is the voice of the Washington Huskies, and there's been a few changes in Husky land these days. Our sounds of Saturday continue. The voice of the Huskies, Tony Castricone, joins us. Big Tone, how we doing? I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of changes. Uh, 2022 was a big change from 2021. And now, of course, um, to be going from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten is, is about as drastic of a change as you could possibly imagine. You know, this is all so recent, all so new. So how, how were Husky fans handling that transition? You know, it's, um, it's kind of a mix. Uh, you'll get a lot of people who are just kind of befuddled and, and can't believe we're at this point in the evolution of college sports. And, you know, the diehard fan base, um, the way, I, you know, I, I've kind of covered college sports in a multitude of areas. You know, I, I was in Columbus, Ohio for a while. I was in North Carolina, now out here in Seattle. And it's a different experience following uh, college sports on the West Coast. You know, I think when you're you're kind of in the eastern half of the country and you're in those college football hotbeds, it's not uncommon for people to, you know, flip on college game day first thing in the morning and then watch games from from noon to midnight and whatever the big game of the moment is, like, you know, whether that's the SEC or the Big 12 or whatever, you're flipping it on. And it's just a little more regional, I think, still out west where – you know, I think uh, people are really, really into their team. And then, you know, maybe you get home and if there's an interesting Pac-12 game on, you turn that on. But, but outside of that, you know, it's just um, that just seems to be the way it's, it's experienced more broadly out here. And so for the region to have been ripped apart the way that it was with, you know, starting 13 months ago, uh, 14 months ago with, with SE and UCLA leaving and, and the ripple effects that that's had, it's really, it's really hurting a lot of people. And, and then, of course, you know, in the city of Seattle, you don't just have Husky fans everywhere, but you got a lot of kooks everywhere, too. And so the fact that these two programs, which have been in the same conference for 108 years, aren't going to be any more moving forward, there are a lot of people that really don't like that and are, are questioning everything when it comes to, you know, how much they're interested in this enterprise moving forward. Now, there are a lot of other people that have seen the writing on the wall for the last one to three to five years of like, this isn't going well for the PAC 12. And uh, we need to position ourselves to, to try to be in this national mix moving forward. And I think that contingent of the fan base is thrilled uh, to think that, okay, now we're going to be rather than going to Tucson or Berkeley, we're going to be going to Iowa city, going to Madison, going to state college, you know, I, I think those are the things that really have people excited. And and this is a proud program. It's got two national championships. 
that had three straight Rose Bowls, um, you know, back in the 90s, three straight New Year's Six Bowl games more recently. And they want to compete for national championships. They believe they can. They got a head coach who's won them at different levels. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that contingent of the fan base thrilled with the idea that, that this is now a, a big-time player moving forward. There's got to be a lot of hurt feelings between Washington and Washington State because they've been rivals forever, in-state rivals, families. Some kids go to Washington. Some people go to Washington State. Alumni, yeah. you're, you're in offices. You're going to schools, and families are divided by these types of things. And one moves on and gets the wealth, and then the other stays back, and you know who knows what happens to Wazoo. That, has, that must have must have created quite the friction within Seattle and Washington in general over the last couple of weeks. How is that unfolding? It, it, it totally has. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see moving forward if the rivalry continues. I mean, the Apple Cup is one of the more historic and traditional rivalries in college football. And, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen rivalries broken apart due to conference realignment. I mean, the backyard brawl, Pitt, West Virginia, you know, I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State moving forward. Texas, Texas A&M's gone through it. I mean, I I just, I, I know that this is one of the side effects of the way that things are going. But, but certainly, I mean, you've got a contingent of the Washington State fan base and probably a large contingent at this point that is saying, forget it. We don't want to. We don't want to even do it moving forward, and that's a totally understandable response to what's going on. And then from a Washington perspective, you know, everybody administratively has said they're very committed to trying to continue the rivalry, but the implications of that, with the conference schedule being what it's going to be in the in the Big Ten, nine games at least we know of for now, where you're going to play five road games every other year. That means in the best-case scenario, if you maintain a home-and-home with Washington State, you will never play another home-and-home with a non-conference big-boy opponent and then then also be able to get seven home games in the Mm -hmm. same season. And that's so important for the revenue purposes. So it's a really complicated – like there's – you know (laughs) – you, you only trade sets of problems in life, right? You know, like it, it seems like you solve one and then that creates others. And so that's just kind of where we're at right now. But you're right. Um, you know, the city of Seattle and the state in general um, really, really kind of divided on this issue. And it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it unfolds. Voice of the Huskies, Tony Castricone joins us here on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Jimmy Lake era was short. And it wasn't all that glorious. He exits a four-win season 2021. He was gone midway through that season. Kalen DeBoer steps in, and immediately there's life within the program. Last season, they go 11-2. They win an Alamo Bowl and finish eighth ranked in the country. And so what was last season's Cinderella ride like from your spot in the booth? It was incredible. Um, And I think... For for more reasons than one, I mean, it's one thing to have as dismal of a season as they had in 2021, and, and to kind of think, okay, well, you know, we've got a blank canvas. You got a new coach coming in. He's got a great record historically at kind of lower levels. Can you do it here in the Power Five? And then to see that kind of success was was great. I mean, he could have won eight games, and people would have been really energized. But to go to Oregon to go to Washington state and not just do that, but you beat a top, 
uh, you know, a number six Oregon team in Austin. That's the highest ranked win uh, over an Oregon team in Husky history. And then to go to the Apple Cup and not just reclaim that trophy, but to put 51 points on the board against a defense that had been giving up 19 a game. I mean, it was kind of the way they did it. And, and maybe the most memorable game, um, well, I mean, the Oregon game, all-time memorable, but, but, but the, the big, um, you know, foot-in-the-ground-we're-back moment at home against Michigan State. Yeah, the Spartans didn't end up having a great season, but at the time came in ranked 11th, and Washington just hammered them at home. I, I just think these are the kind of things that, like, has the fan, bot, the fan base super energized. And, and now you got a quarterback like Michael Penix going into his sixth season and um, just had the moments. You know, I mean, we, we were really pushing for a Heisman campaign for him, and, and hopefully he has more eyeballs on him this year. Um, but just had those moments with the incredible, you know, touchdown throw against Oregon to tie the game late. Um, and, and just what he did against Michigan State, against Washington State, everything else, uh, setting a school record for 516 passing yards against Arizona, and then for the whole season, 4,600. Um, I, just, I, I just think it's, it's this trio of DeBoer, Penix, and then offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who just sees things in a way that I'm not sure a whole lot of other offensive coordinators do, and that's why he was courted by the likes of Alabama and Texas A&M in the offseason. That trio has created the, one of the best offenses in the country. Now the question is, can the defense take a big step forward? Schedule's going to get a lot harder this year, but, but the hopes and the expectations are there in 2023. What was Kalen DeBoer's personality trait that helped lead such a dramatic turnaround? So, you know, I, I think it comes down to a lot of the same basic leadership principles that help any organization thrive. And I'll just tell you a, a personal story. Um, before the spring game in 2022, I went in to interview him for our little five-minute pregame hit. And, DA, I mean, you know, like the schedule of these coaches and how just focused they are on the billion things they got to take care of, right? Like it, it's, it's not uncommon for even the really personable ones to have to do the obligation and move on. And before I knocked out the interview with him, I said, Coach, you know, this is for your first broadcast that we're doing here. Like, is there some messaging that you'd like me to get out? Like what, what, what story do you want me to tell the fan base? And he looked at me, he just goes, how long you got? Hmm. And I got to say, that's the first time I've ever had a, a division one coach of any kind ask me how long I have for them. Right. And, and for the next 45 minutes, he sat and he walked me slide by slide through his culture playbook and wow. what he wanted to instill at the university of Washington. And I mean, I, I, and, and he said, hey, I got, I got this quote from this guy, and I got this quote from, from this coach that I had way back in Sioux Falls and all this stuff. And it, it, it just it gives me chills right now just thinking about it. This is the kind of leader that can accomplish anything. And, and it, it just starts at the top, and you get, you've got a vision, and then you get everybody on board, and then you have your plan for how you're going to go execute. And I just think everybody at Washington believes and that belief starts with who's at the top, instilling it in everybody all the way down. And so that's why I think, I mean, people inside, we just feel like the sky's the limit, truly. And it's, it's really, really, it's cool to see. Boy, rarely does a broadcaster get taken behind the curtain like that and yeah. be able to observe and digest and process what, what the, the head of a program is really trying to do 
a detailed setting. That must have been pretty mind-blowing for you to, to really see nuts and bolts, like how a plan is enacted at that level. Yeah, it was. And, and not only that, but, like, you talk about things that you just are just lapping up like a dog and, like, just, you know, drinking from the fire hose, thinking, okay, what are the implications for how I could lead – you know, our broadcast team, how, how can I yeah. be a better, a better person, a better husband, a better citizen, all that sort of stuff, just really inspiring. And so I, and you see that, you see that alignment all the way throughout because the things he was saying on that culture playbook are, you know, then repeated by the coaches, then repeated by the players and the players are kind of holding each other accountable. And it's just, it's just kind of that stuff, the good stuff that, that takes, Everybody in college sports is good. The question is, can you go from good to great, right? And that's that's how you win championships. And um, yeah, it's it's a really really healthy culture, and off to a great start. Tony Castricone is the voice of the Washington Huskies. You know, before I let you go, I forgot to ask you this last season. I think when we had you on, maybe the year before, but that was that when you first got the job. I remember reading a story that you were collecting Washington Huskies game programs, <laughs> and that your your prized possession was the 1944 Rose Bowl. And I'm thinking, where does Tony keep the 1944 Rose Bowl game program? <laughs> I wish I had a more interesting answer than, than my <laughs> drawer at work. But, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just right there in the cubicle. But, um, yeah, I thought I mean, it was going to be under some time. bulletproof case in on the mantle of your living room with candles to Don James lit all around it. <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's really cool about that is it's not behind glass because I still want to flip through it because, okay. you know, 1944 was wartime, right? And so – they're playing USC in an altered Rose Bowl due to it being wartime travel restrictions. And you flip through the program and it says, here are the Husky players that are in the service. Here are the Trojans that are in the I mean, it's incredible. Like it's, it's one of the all-time coolest things I've ever seen. You know, I have a few old programs like that, and you almost you feel like you're going to break something just by flipping through the pages, right? And, and yeah. you're trying to be so careful, but... It's impossible not to, but you don't want to smudge anything or ruin anything. But just reading through something like that as though you were transported back in time is a wild, wild experience. It is. And, uh, yeah, that's got to be number one on the list. There are other good ones, but but 1944 Rose Bowl is number one. eBay find or some type of secondhand? Totally eBay. And not as expensive as you'd think, you know? I mean, it's not in mint condition at all, but... uh, yeah, those that eBay is something special, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Has been in, for like 25 years. Insert eBay uh, ad right here. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Something special. Tony Castricone <laughs> is the voice of the Washington Huskies. They're coming off a wonderful season last year, finishing number eight in the polls. We'll see how they can rebound their preseason number two in the Pac-12 behind USC. And so... As the USC-led Pac-12, you know, kind of breaks apart, we'll see how this all unfolds, and the Huskies will be a a big part of that. Tony, it's always great to catch up, my man. Thanks so much. Hopefully we'll catch up during the season again. Sounds great. Thanks, DA. Go dogs. For those wondering, a 1944 Rose Bowl program at eBay right now ranges from $65 in fair condition all the way up to $300 in very good condition, graded. 
Okay, thanks to Tony for joining us here to talk a little Pac-12 Washington Huskies football. Standing by with our final headlines of the morning here is Greg Caserta. Well, D.A., this is timely because uh, Stephen South Carolina was quick to point out that my take from this morning about Brees Hall of the Jets did not age well, oh. and he could not be more right because uh, this one just came out about 10 minutes ago. They are activating him, are the Jets, oh. off the pup list. He's added hey. today. Dalvin Cook yesterday. Hall will now ramp up his activity with the hopes of suiting up for week one, Monday night against the Bills. Mm. Uh, also saw that Mike Gesicki, who's with the Patriots now, for those of you who don't remember, suffered a mild dislocated shoulder. He hopes to play week one. And uh, Sean McDermott apparently is, quote, still working through the process after taking over defensive play calling. Seems like we've had a lot of AFC East updates Headline, of course, by Dalvin Cook, and uh, he got that one-year deal from the Jets yesterday worth up to $8.6 million. The Jets, like I told you, have not had a 1,000-yard rusher since Chris Ivory in 2015. Glad we got to go over that earlier this morning. Cook took a visit with the Patriots. They ended up going with Ezekiel Elliott. He gets $3 million in base salary, $1 million signing bonus. That's up to $6 million with incentives. And he apparently is going to rock his old number 15 from Ohio State. Good business decision from Cowboys guard Zach Martin. He waited it out, bet on himself, and he did not blink. Jerry Jones did. It's a new two-year deal worth $36 million fully guaranteed, which makes him the third highest paid interior lineman over the next two seasons. And former NFL running back Alex Collins passed away at the age of 28 after a motorcycle crash in Florida on Sunday. The five-year veteran was most recently in the USFL, also remembered for three 1,000-yard rushing seasons at Arkansas. Former Razorbacks quarterback Ryan Mallett also passed away back in June after drowning in Florida. Baseball, this one right up your alley, Pete the Body. Justin Verlander responded to a report that he was a diva during his half-season with the Mets. Uh Uh-huh. Here's Verlander's response on social media yesterday. Quote, I want to say that I have nothing but respect for the Mets organization, and I enjoyed connecting with all of my teammates this season, new and old. It truly was a wonderful group of people. That being said, we all know the success of a team is made up of more than just the players on the field. Everyone's input is valuable. I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to constructive criticism on how we could improve. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wishing nothing but the best to the Mets moving forward. Nothing wrong with that. You okay with that? No, nothing wrong with that. All right. Because he, he probably went in there, had some ideas. He, you know, he did win a ring. So you would think they would help, it, would, it would help their department. Mm. And no one wanted to listen. So that's okay. what happens. All right. And uh, finally, before we get to stunned, the Giants were blown out by the Rays last night, 10-2. to 2, But the best story to come out of that. Longtime radio voice Dave Fleming donned a Giants uniform and worked the game as a bat boy for a few innings before getting back to the booth. This was his punishment for finishing in last place in the team's fantasy football league. This is the second year of the punishment. Last year, outfielders Steven Duggar and Austin Slater were the inaugural bat boys. And now we get stunned. Woohoo! It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. <laughs> Robin the 321 with the story and the tagline. This takes the phrase I got it from my mama to a whole new level. Oh dear. 
Anyone looking to date 23-year-old social media influencer Gabriella Vigorito will also have to deal with her overbearing mother. You don't just have to land mom's approval. You also have to date her as well. <laughs> Gabriella's 56-year-old mo- mom is a former model. Catherine Galasso Vigorito believes that the mom and daughter are a package deal. This arrangement is apparently causing some issues for the daughter when it comes to her dating Carlos life. Carlos with a K immediately goes to Google. <laughs> Give me that last name again. Uh, Vigorito. V-I-G-O-R-I-T-O. Uh-huh. What's the complications? Mom is a former Miss Connecticut USA winner, and Gabriella has done some pageant competing of her own. Now, the love triangle isn't all it's cracked up to be. It has not worked out all that well up to this point. You're because kidding. The two dress alike, and despite their age gap, have been mistaken for twins. <laughs> My siblings don't, don't like it, and they won't join in at all. We call them the simple sisters, Gabriella oh. said. They won't join in. They don't support mom and me matching, but they do support my social media endeavors and modeling career. I love being my mom's twin. It makes me feel really great. She is so beautiful, and I looked up to her. She's my biggest inspiration. Um, So when I hear about parents, new parents like you and Pete the Body having a a new baby, I wish you congratulations. Oh, thank you. I know you're going to do a wonderful job. Yeah. There are some people that I don't say congratulations <laughs> to because they are going to ruin mm. a young mind mm-hmm. and really warp them into something else. wonder how that'll work if I ever, ever asked AJ, do you want to do some double dates? <laughs> <laughs> you get the DA in like 15 years just being his wingman. I'm, I'm 90. <laughs> you're of dating age. <laughs> no, dad. No, thanks. That's nice. It's it's really nice. It's just like the frog and the spinach deal from yesterday. You get two for one. It's So the same guy has to date both of them at the same time? I guess so, yeah. But I guess for a guy <laughs> like that, he's also looking to become an influencer of some totally, sort. Totally, yes. You don't, like, get a, you don't jump into that situation unless you kind of want some of the fame as well. I can see Pat Boyle doing this. One million percent. That's right. Boyle has probably already reached out via DM. <laughs> this is a perfect candidate. Now, I didn't get a picture of the mom. The girl looks like every other girl on Instagram. You know, she's a dime a dozen. <laughs> I, w- I want to know what the mom looks like. I'm at this stage of my life now where I am more I interested this, in the 56-year-old. thing, let's get out of here. Like, listen, the, the mom's all right, but nowhere near like the daughter. It's not a twin scenario. Oh, okay. All right, well, I'm glad we're researching that. When we come back here on the program, <laughs> Advanced Analytics and your epic fail, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. We ate something called MREs today, which is military bagged meals that Carlos brought in. It's your epic fail. We're trying something called MRE. No! <laughs> I said once Mraz left, we got to stop doing the food stuff because clearly he's still doing the food stuff. I like to eat it raw sometimes. Look at how delicious this looks. <laughs> it's just bags. It's just plastic bags of goop. Food is family. So to clarify, you stole from the army. <laughs> I tactically got acquired. It. Yeah. Okay, so we can swap if we want, Carlos said. I got tortillas. 
some orange powder, which says there is absolutely no fruit juice in it. That's oh. Faderade. That's fake Gatorade. Fake Gatorade. <laughs> and cheese spread with jalapenos. <laughs> oh, not too bad, actually. Nothing go wrong there. Tell you, I'm not eating those. Maybe no. the tortillas. I do have an oatmeal cookie as well. I got fat-free vanilla pound cake. <laughs> really? <laughs> and a book of matches. I guess this is how you heat up the food with the water. Carlos has gotten us some water here. And the diagram has the pouch with a little circle around there. And it says, lean the pouch on a rock or something. <laughs> rock or something. <laughs> Which is the type of detail we appreciate in the U.S. military here. A rock or something or other. Okay. <laughs> if you put more water, these heaters will stink. So uh. make sure you just put a little bit of water to get the phosphorus crap thing heating up and going. Oh, that's not right. Do not eat the chewing gum. <laughs> there are two types of gum. That one, it makes you go, and the other one makes you no-go. Really? I am excited. They do give you a little spork. Yep. A little spoon, plastic spoon, so you open up that, and then you just dig into this. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Let's eat this thing. Is it heated up properly yet? Oh, this is gross. I am not eating this. <laughs> You're not eating it? No chance. That was a taste. I bet you can't wait for the entree. I'm about to throw up. Hey, your tax dollars pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Just say that. I mean, that. Listen, dude. People serve so you could eat this beef in a bag, all right? <laughs> Carlos served so you could have this beef no. in a bag. You might as well just spit on the flag and light it on fire if you're not going to eat this beef stew. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Smedley Hoover gone incognito tweets. I guess you now know why we call MREs three lies in a row. They're not real meals. They're not ready, and they're not ready to be eaten. Hashtag trash them. Our poll question was of, oh, I guess we run out of time. Of the MREs, which is most delicious. Let me tell you, I'm not feeling great right now after eating mine. My beef in a bag is not sitting well right now. I'm stuck with the M&M's. Thanks to Carlos for the K, Carlos Ortiz, your executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bellotti on the Wheels of Steel and audio director. Thanks to Greg Caserta on headlines and Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you tomorrow. I'm DA and the Mothership Disconnects. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.